And so we're gathered here on uh, the Christmas morning, and we've heard the story of Christ coming as a little child born in the, in the manger. You know, I can't help but think of the anticipation that Israel had of their Messiah coming. Right? There was great anticipation. They were looking for a Savior who would bring deliverance. Only for many people, they had some preconceived ideas of how that would come to pass, uh, how it would take place. You know, little did they know that their Messiah would have a lowly birth, as he did. Um, and he would walk in humility. But he did that in order to defeat the pride of the prince of this world. But there's many periods in Israel's history where there was great anticipation. And there still is, right, for the king to come, for the king to come for his people. And I wanted to look with you just shortly this morning at one name of the Lord that the prophet Jeremiah declared. And it kind of relates to uh, our theme there in this Christmas morning. Now, during Jeremiah's ministry, right, it was a turbulent time. It was very challenging for him as he's proclaiming the word of the Lord, but he doesn't have a lot of res positive response to his message. Um, it was a time of great judgment because of sin. There was droughts and famine. Uh, there's wars and invaders in Israel. And it's really all because God's people were drinking from different streams, other fountains, other sources of life and satisfaction. And it was as if as a nation there their love relationship and their flame of desire for the Lord had grown dim. But even though Israel was experiencing these judgments because of their sin, there were still those who were looking to God, who had their eyes set upon him. And, and Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 14, verse 8. And I'm just the very first part of the verse. He says, Oh, the hope of Israel his Savior in time of trouble. Now, in this verse, he goes on to say how Israel didn't hold on to that hope and they turned aside to other things. But I was struck by that phrase, the hope of Israel, that, and that name of the Lord. It's very apropos for us in, in the Christmas season, right? Because it is a season of hope. Christ is the hope of Israel. He was and he is our hope. Now, for the Old Testament saints, they were looking for, as we'll, we'll read, they were looking for the consolation of Israel, the one who would restore life and light to the people of God. For New Testament saints, uh, we're also experiencing an increase of darkness around us, and we're too looking for a fresh visitation of the glorious one to come. And, you know, that in that time of gross darkness, the glory of the Lord would arise upon us, upon his people. That's our great hope, and that is our expectation. And so as we're, as we're waiting and hoping, as, Israel, as the Israelites of old, um, I'm, just, I'm reminded of those who were anticipating his first coming. And there was a man named Simeon. Right? We read about him. In fact, if we kept going in the Christmas story, we'd read about him in, in Luke chapter 2. 
And he is described in, in 2 and verse 25 as just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. You know, God had a plan for this man named Simeon that he would see the Messiah with his eyes and declare who he was. And he did so in verse 32. He said that he would be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, that was what they were looking for back then. Really, that's what we're all longing for today, too. That God would bring a great light and reveal Christ to the Gentiles and his, gl- and his glory to the people of God. And so Simeon just continued day after day. He just kept being faithful. And I like the, the description of his life. Walking justly, walking uprightly, waiting with great hope for the consolation of Israel to come. And one day, the Holy Spirit said, go into the temple. And there he found Jesus, who he took up in his arms, and he blessed God and made those declarations that we read. There's another person, too, in the same chapter. It was a lady named Anna, who was a prophetess. And now her life is quite remarkable because she had been married seven years. Then we can uh, infer that her husband died. And then she was a widow for 84 years. I mean, even just being married for 84 years would be (laughs) significant, but she was a widow for 84 years. And during that time, she had a single purpose. It was to serve God with fasting and prayer and seeking him. But in doing so, she was connecting to and laying hold of the hope of Israel. I love what it says also about her. It says that when she came into the temple that day and laid eyes Upon the, the child Jesus, it says in Luke 2 and verse 38, it said, In that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and she was praising him and, and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And she was so single minded and she recognized that the fulfillment of her hope had come. She was ready to proclaim to all who were looking for redemption because she knew the hope of Israel. And so these two two dear saints are a wonderful picture of those who hope in God. You know, those who, who have hope as an anchor for their soul. And we can notice something, you know, in their lives is that they continued, uh, especially Anna for a long time. Right? An unbelievably long time, 84 years. Now we're trusting and believing that it will not be that long <laughs> that we wait. But we recognize God is not going to move according to our time frame. He has a time frame. And what do we do? We look to the one who is called the hope of Israel for his coming. But as these two saints continued, there was there was not really anything they saw with their eyes. In fact, probably what they saw with their eyes was very anticlimactic. It was not a confirmation of the hope they were looking for, right? They just saw the temple filled with trade and money changing and unrighteousness and injustice and, you know, a lack of those 
really following God. But yet, in a sense, what they saw with their eyes didn't matter. It reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans 8, 24. It says, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen, actually, that's not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? And so it's not hope when we see the evidence of what we're looking for with our natural eyes. Instead, we have to have our eyes set upon the one who is the hope of Israel. And that implies we don't see him, but our hope is set in him. At times, we can feel an awful lot like Simeon and Anna, right? Just continuing day after day, only seeking to be just and devout. Being just is just doing what's right in God's sight, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that everything else is added unto us. And devout, that's an interesting word. I, I looked up the, the definition in the good old uh, Webster's 1823, uh, 8, 1828. But uh, the, here's how Webster defines it. Devout is yielding a solemn and reverential attention to God in religious exercises, particularly in prayer. That's very similar to Anna, isn't it? She didn't leave the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayer. But that sustained them. That held them. And it connected them to the hope of Israel so that they received life to continue until they saw the promise with their eyes. And that is such a key, right? We must be able to walk in such a way that we are connected to the life that comes from hope and having a hope. You know, I've often quoted when it comes to hope, you know, of what, what Peter described in 1 Peter 1, 3, where he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, the hope of Israel lives. And when we place our hope in him and we do those things that keep us connected to him, it's a living hope and it's life-giving. We receive life from that hope. You know, the original Greek gives a sense that, that we are to have hope that's full of life and vigor. That as we hope in him, we receive something and it's something alive within us. It's something that, that is constantly growing, increasing, getting stronger and bigger and it's not just a, a weak idea that, well, maybe God has something for me someday or God's going to do something. But it's a strong reality of the glorious plan and purpose that God has for each of our lives, for our church, for our fellowship, for our nation, for the nations, for the Gentiles who have not yet seen what it means to know the glory of God. But that is our hope. And that's to be a living hope within us and it will keep and preserve us on preserve us in our journey through this life. You know, Peter also says this in, in chapter one and verse eight, it says, whom having not seen you love in whom though you now you see him not yet believing yet rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
You know, that is our hope. Jesus, who we have not yet seen, yet we love. And not seeing, yet believe, and so we rejoice greatly because we can enter into this living hope and have that alive and burning in our hearts. So what do we do? We have to do those things that will connect us to the hope of Israel. And I I was just kind of struck by the description of those two individuals of Simeon and Anna that we have to feed upon the things of life, of his word, but also it's walking in it, to walk justly, to do those things that are pleasing to him, to be devoted, a reverential attention to God, to his ways, his activities, because that brings life. You know, I, I actually think that's a lot of what has been lost in the church today. It's that devotion, reverential attention and devotion to God's ways of doing things, of what pleases him. And so we have to be those people who hold on to what really matters, to be devoted to the hope of Israel. I'll close with one last verse. In Hebrews 3 and verse 6, it says, But Christ as a son over his own house whose hope are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. That's our task. That's our responsibility. To hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. The end of the matter, the end of our story. And so in this Christmas season and in the coming new year, Let's seek to hold fast to the hope of Israel and the confidence and the rejoicing of that hope unto the end. Of course, the end, what is that? The end of the matter is that we will see his glory with our eyes. No matter how long we live or what God's plan for us is, whether we see his glory on this earth or we open our eyes in heaven and we see his glory, that is our end if we will hold fast that hope the hope of Israel. And that is when, you know, that that day when we see it, that's when hope will cease because the life and the glory will be seen. We'll see it with our eyes and we'll know it in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's hold on to the hope of Israel. Jesus, we thank you so much that you humbled yourself to come down to earth and to be born in that lowly manger. And Lord, we thank you not just for that, but the plan that you developed with the Father before the foundation of the earth. Lord, that you have a plan for your church, you have a plan for the nations, and you have a plan for each of our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would give us those eyes, Lord, the spiritual sight to lay hold upon the hope of Israel and to do those things that are necessary. Lord, to walk justly. Lord, would you even give us a new devotion, oh God, to those things that matter with you and your kingdom. Oh, that we would seek you afresh. Lord, in our devotion, in prayer, in walking with you. Oh Lord, truly you are the hope of Israel. Lord, we lay hold upon that hope to walk 
in your way to be devoted to you, that Lord, that day will come when we will see your glory and your glory will be upon us. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.